As ever, it's a real pleasure to have Dave and Leslie Nunn with us from City Hope Church. Good to have you here. As I said at the start, Dave helps to um, look after and oversee us here, and so it's totally great and fitting and right that he should be the one who really um, takes the reins from here, here on in. So I am now going to go and sit down with my wife, and it's over to Dave, who's going to lead us through the next part of the service. Well, it is good to be here. I bring greetings from City Hope down in Bermondsey. They all say hello. (laughs) I will take your greetings back, irrespective of whether you give them or not. I'll make it look like we're friends. Um, My apologies for being late, which really weren't my fault. (laughs) But uh, we got to Grazing Road and we just sat there. And it's incredibly frustrating sitting there in traffic, knowing most of the traffic doesn't want to go where you are going, but he's holding you up. And you're just sitting there saying, just move out of the way, let me through. But they didn't. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to talk for a bit. Then we are going to get, get Simon, Steph and Rich up. We're going to pray for them. Then we're going to pray for their families. And then we're going to pray for the church. And then I'm going to talk for a bit more, and uh, then we'll probably break bread and uh, have a bit more time of worship, and then we'll do whatever comes next, okay? So that's where we're going. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to, turn to Philippians chapter 1. As has been said earlier, this, it is a significant day in that we're appointing elders, but in another way, nothing changes. <laughs> because we're not today suddenly making three elders, we are recognising what God has already done in calling these three guys to a particular role here in this church. So that's what we're doing, and we're going to read from verse 1 of chapter 1, we're going to read the first six verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for your presence with us as we've worshipped you. We thank you for the way that you've brought revelation through the truths that we've been singing about, through the words that have come, Lord Jesus, from your word. We thank you for that and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come afresh upon us now that we might hear your word, respond to it, take it into our hearts, but as well we might hear your voice as we pray and as we seek you for blessing on this church, that it might overflow to to the world around it and we'll see your kingdom being extended in this part of London and the world. Amen. Amen. 
Well, if there had have been such a thing as the Christian OK or Hello magazine of the first century, then there would have really been only two people that would have been wanting, would have wanted to have been on the front cover. The, pu- the publishers would have been seeking these two, just about willing to pay anything, with headlines such as, more miracles from the Apostle Peter, another stay in prison for Peter, Peter puts his foot in it again. Apostles wondering what Peter meant. And Peter would have been the sort of number one. But very, very close would have been the Apostle Paul. And as the years went on, OK and Hallow would have moved from Peter and on to Paul. Paul, more travels for Paul. Is he ever going to find a wife? <coughs> And it's just interesting to see how Paul sees himself. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And as we're appointing leaders today, I think it's good to remember that this superstar of the first century Christian world saw himself first and foremost as a servant. Now what's important here is two phrases. One, servant. He was someone who came to serve the church. He wasn't lording it over it, over the church. He wasn't seeking to uh, sort of accumulate masses amount of cash, prosperity. He wasn't looking to live in a big house. Um, none of those things happened to him, so fortunately it was good he wasn't looking for it. What happened to him was imprisonment, shipwrecked, beatings, um, hungry nights, sleepless nights. But Paul saw himself as a servant. The trouble is, in some parts of the church, that is what the leaders are seen as. They are here to serve us. They feed us good food from the Bible week by week. They make sure our worship is good week by week. They give us a shoulder to cry on week by week. And any time, day or night, we can just call on our leaders because they are our servants. But there's a second phrase to what Paul says. He says he is a servant of Christ Jesus. And as leaders, as individuals, our first calling is to be a servant of Jesus. And that means as these leaders lead you, their calling is not first and foremost to be a servant to you, but to be a servant of Jesus. They're not here to please you. They are here to please Jesus. Now, most of the time, the direction, the vision, the goals that they give, you will be very pleased with anyway. Most of the time, the care they give to you, most of the time, the preaching they give to you, you will be very pleased with, you will be delighted with. But there will come occasions when you will not be happy with their decisions. And you might sort of start running to them and saying, hang on a minute, I don't like it. Their answer may be, we've heard from God. This is the way that we have to go. Because first and foremost, we are servants of Jesus Christ. Now this is true of all of us. When Paul writes here, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, 
He's not writing as the superstar. He's not writing as the apostle. He is writing, as it were, as a Christian. And first and foremost, our role in life is to be obedient to Jesus Christ, to live our lives pleasing him, to be ones who are serving him. And in serving him, that will involve loving one another. It will involve accepting one another. It will involve provoking one another to love and good works. It will involve praying with one another. It will, help it, it will involve helping people out of sin and into righteousness. And that's not always easy. But as a servant of Jesus Christ, we are called upon to do the things that are just seem very easy for people and we're called upon to do the things that are very difficult. But as the leaders, as we appoint these three elders, look across the church, they see you. This is the people at the moment that God has given to them and uh, over the next few years, your numbers are going to grow, probably exponentially. You're going to grow, and you're going to grow, and you're going to grow. And when they look at you, they see this. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. I've, I've been leading a church for about 18, 18 years. I've been in eldership a lot longer than that. And one of the most amazing privileges is to get to know the people that are in your church and to carry them through their difficulties, their trials and their tribulations, to be able to celebrate with their great joys. To sit, I mean, I have married hundreds of women. I've only got one wife, but I have married hundreds of women and hundreds of men. Um, and it is very near that now. <clears throat> and it is just amazing as you just see people come together, they get to know one another, you lead them through the marriage prep. Um, I've been privileged to actually marry them and then see their lives go on. And um, in City Hope now, many of them have moved on to having children and uh, some of them have got to the point where their children are now having children, which does actually make one feel a little old. But one of the funny things is, I know there are people in my church who I can walk, to, walk up to and say, do you think I could have a word? And I know their first thought is, what have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? It's never all good. I wonder what I've done right. And the funny thing is, it's also my instinct. Um, I, was in, I was in Ghana last Sunday, and uh, this is totally irrelevant, but it's worth it just to... In Ghana, the sort of bander at the side, the preacher's here, and sort of the front row starts about here. And you sort of look and you think, why is that space left? And then the band start up the first song, and it's all very nice. And then they start up the second song and just everyone piles forward. 
and they start dancing around in a circle. And then they play a lively one. <coughs> now, a lively one for me is one where I can tap my foot to. That's about the extent of my dancing. But these, it is around about 100, 110 degrees, I suppose, so it's nice and warm. But suddenly, you've got these groups of young men, sort of arm in arm, all jumping up and down. And then they're just shirts off, waving them in the air. And I've got to say, I'm standing there thinking, I hope they don't do that in my church. <laughs> I've seen some of the bodies on our men. It's just not worth it. <clears throat> they really do know how to uh, bring vibrant worship. But as elders, these guys are going to have the privilege of knowing some of your lives. They're going to know some of your horror stories. And you know, they are going to sense, and some of you already do this, they are going to have the privilege of knowing some of your horror stories, bringing some of you out of the depths of sin into righteousness, of hearing the muddle that some of your lives are in, and they're going to sit there staggered and amazed that they've had the privilege of leading you through it. And one of the things <coughs> that you must learn with your leaders, and I know Steph, Rich and Simon a bit, they love you. They really care for you. And they want the best for you. And they won't remember some of the things that you've told them. I, I'm particularly bad at remembering some things. <coughs> and uh, so when you say to people, well, can I just have a word? Their, their mind is, gosh, I've told him this, and I've told him this, and I've told him this, and oh no, what's he going to say? And it might be just, any chance for a cup of coffee? It might be, any chance you could lead worship? Can you be a connect group leader? Our small group's called connect groups. And most of the time, they want to speak to you positively. And I want you to grasp the fact that you are saints. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are kings. You are priests. You are holy. You are God's treasured possession. And uh, as it's, it is odd. Sometimes I would love everyone to be able to stand at the front of the meeting and look at the people in the meeting. That, of course, is a physical impossibility unless you do a big queue round, which we did the other day. We had everybody come down and say something from the front, about 200 of us. We just all went round in a big circle so everybody could see everyone say something. <coughs> but it is a phenomenal privilege to see God's people worshipping to see God's people listening to God's word because they are the holy ones of God. They are the people that God looks down on and he loves. As he looks out across this part of London, he sees you as a bright shining star in a dark world. And it doesn't matter how, how many times you've missed your Bible reading notes. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and they just started. Um, they wanted to read the Bible in a year. So it's... Uh, end of February, they started in January, and he said to me, I don't understand it because 
I'm already three months behind. <laughs> that was part joke. It is a physical impossibility, obviously. But it can feel like that. You think, I really am going to make this 7 o'clock prayer meeting. I'm going to be there. Is it this Tuesday, does it start? This Tuesday, I'm going to be there. And some of you will get to June and think, I still haven't quite managed it. I've been up a couple of times at 7 o'clock, but not at the prayer meeting. And uh, Steph will keep coming up here and yeah. They'll keep encouraging you, and I'll just say, get to the prayer meeting. Seven o'clock is not that early. Um, you know, I used to start work at half past six, although I would find a seven o'clock prayer meeting difficult now for some reason. <coughs> get along to it, but don't worry if you don't get there. God is not keeping an account <coughs> of all the good things you've done and all the bad things you've done. He sees you first and foremost as his holy saints. His godly people. You are the joy of the whole earth for him. You are the ones that Jesus went to the cross for and he went there thinking, these guys are going to know me. And because they're going to know me, I am going to endure the cross just so that I can know them. So Paul considers himself a servant but he considers the rest of us saints. And then I do love this introduction because, again, in today's world, <coughs> very few churches, if we talk of new frontiers, very few people would get a letter from Terry Virgo. As elders, we get a Christmas card, which is very nice. But I love the way Paul goes, Paul, Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with all the overseers and the deacons as well. I'll just include them, but I'll write to the church first. Because as elders, we are part of the church. As elders, we are part of the, the holy ones of God. As elders, we have a role in the church. It's not a position in the church. Just as everyone work, um, helping with the kids, just as the worship, just as the deacons, just as the people that count the money, just as the welcomers have a role in the church, so the elders have a role. Now that role does carry accountability before God. He, we have to give an account of how we've cared for God's people at the end of our lives, which is an incredible weighty responsibility. It's... For the children's workers, you'll be very glad to know God is not going to ask you how you did that. And uh, when I think of some of my time in the creche, I'm very glad God isn't going to ask me how I got on. Well, I fell asleep once. <laughs> well, they were quiet. They were happy. They enjoyed playing with the knives. <laughs> They seem to get on well with the fireworks. <coughs> you know, they frustrated me. They hired me up. But God isn't going to ask me how I did that. But he is going to ask me how I cared for God's people. And you're, you need to be praying for your leaders because they have to give an account for how they lead. They have to give an account of how they fulfilled their role 
in bringing direction to the church, stirring it with vision. They have to give an account for how they have looked after the doctrine of the church. Is it biblical? Is it unbiased? Is it broad? Does it exalt God? Does it reveal truth? Does it leave room for the Holy Spirit to come and minister with his gifts? Does it enable people to find their place in the church, in the body, um, worshipping and using their gifts? They have to give an account as to whether they brought godly discipline into the church. How they handled people who fell into immorality. How they handled people who are divisive how they handled the weak, how they handled the overly strong. And all these things is the role of an overseer. <coughs> I will leave Steph um, at some point to talk about the role of the deacons. Paul saw himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, not just as someone who could be called on by anybody at any time, although sometimes that is part of being a servant of Jesus Christ. He saw the people he was writing to as being saints, God's treasured possession. And he saw the overseers as people that were significant in the role of the church. Now, if we can have Steph, Simon and Rich out here. A lot of you don't know me very well, so you have no idea how impressed with myself I am that I've remembered their names. <laughs> we're now going to pray for them, and we're looking for God to add an anointing to that which he has already given to them. As I said, we are not making elders, we are recognizing what God has raised up in this church, men who are willing and able to lead you forward for the next few years as a church. And God has raised them up for that, and that's going to be their role, and we're looking for God to anoint that. And so I'm going to ask that we stand. And to appeal to your selfish side, if you want this to be a good church, if you want to be well-led, if you want to be full of vision and faith and to accomplish that which God has for you, then now is a really good time to pray your best prayer for these guys. So I would like us all to reach out our hands and to pray for God's blessing and empowering. Let's go. Just cry out all together. Lord Jesus. Be so captivated by 
Father, as we stand before your throne, we recognize the anointing and the calling of God upon these men as elders in the church here. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill them afresh with your wisdom, with your insight, with your revelation. We ask you that you'll fill their hearts with love for you, love for your people. We pray for physical strength and energy. We pray for alert minds, Lord Jesus. We pray for passionate hearts for them. We pray for unity among them, Lord Jesus. We pray for unity in this church. And we pray success upon them in the name of Jesus. As they serve you, Lord Jesus, in this role of eldership, we pray that you will give them everything that they need. Everything, Lord Jesus. Everything for your glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, if we can have all the wives and children. Can you just step forward a bit? I think what we'll do here is we'll just get as many people as we can just to come round them and put their hands on them and to pray for them as families. So if you can come forward.
Now pray the blessing of God upon them.